But it's just airplanes, so it's not, it's it's, not really no this is This is the best seat now. It's, it's got a runway in the front yard. <laughs> Jeb, Jeb, isn't this cool? iPads are making flying safer. Have you heard this? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, let's let's go back to, um, that's not what the one I want. That's the one I want. Yeah. Um, you, you, you're not buying this, huh? This was a big story I'm not, I'm in the not, last I'm week. Not or... buying, it was a big story a week or so ago, two weeks ago. It was a big story for, for GA. And <sighs> um, correlation does not equal causation. Okay, okay. What 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 uh, happened here is that uh, AOPA's Air Safety Institute came out with their latest Null report. Um, Dave, you actually knew, I believe, Joe Null, um, and uh, Joe, Joe Null was a guy who was he was uh, an NTSB. Uh, uh, I guess. Uh, he was a board member. He was um, a board member, yeah. yeah he, he was a board member, was killed in an uh, aircraft accident in Venezuela back in the 70s, I guess, early 80s. 80, 89. 89. Um, and AOPA has named the, their annual or, or regular um, um, snapshot of, of general aviation safety after him and in, in his memory. Um, AOPA just came out with their latest null report. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a quote attributed to George Perry, who's the head, of, apparently the head of the uh, AOPA Air Safety Institute, um, that um, people are, are are accrediting as saying that um, the iPad and and uh, um, iPad apps are responsible for the recent improvement. In uh, in in general aviation safety, and I'm just not sure that's that's the case. Well, now, are you thinking that this is just overstated or outright untrue? <sighs> I think it's outright untrue. I, you don't I, think I, that, think, I, I think it is without evidence. Oh, okay, yeah, because you don't think that. All right, and and I'm going to say this without evidence, but based on just sort of a of a, of a uh, you know my, my perception of this from reading stories and watching people fly, it it seems to me that the iPads in the cockpit certainly they, I don't know it seems to me that they a- add to safety on some to some degree. I'm not suggesting that they're responsible for all of this good news we've had. They add to the availability of current weather information. Okay. That's the big thing that they do. Well, and they're but also that current. That kind of weather information was already available in uh, in cockpits before the iPad, exactly. and this has made it uh, uh, more accessible in large part because of ADSBN. Right. Uh, well, but, there's, there's there are a number of if if the only thing that had been done. To, uh, to in an attempt to improve general aviation safety over, say, the last five, ten years. If the only thing that had been done was the invention of the iPad and iPad apps uh, were, were placed in use in the cockpit, then we might have some data and we might have some empirical evidence. But there's been so many other things that have occurred in the last five, ten years that have, have tried to chip away at... Uh, uh, I should say, chip uh, at reducing the accident rates. Um, you can't point to iPads alone and say that that's been the, that, that this is the result. 
and and let's deepen let's deepen the well of reality here a little bit further. When did the iPad first hit the market? In 2010. April of 2010. April of 2010. And what year is the not the Null report cover? Um, this covers um, 2015. No, that it's that's that part squishy. No, that's the, and that's the FAA data. I think this really doesn't even get at um, uh, oh, 2014, see? Thank you. Now, I, I don't know about you guys, but is anything that we've ever done in aviation had <laughs> such a radical impact in such a short period of time? No. I mean, let's give a little lead-up time here. First off, there were only two or three apps that you could get live weather on the first year or so. Then an explosion in ways that you could get weather on your iPad. Uh, then there was a big run-up to it because Apple kept changing the generation of iPad. And a lot of guys sat on the sidelines until they thought it was a little more mature because right. some of the apps didn't exactly play well together, like one that's supposed to show you where you are with the GPS and then overlay the weather. Sometimes, a few years ago, they could be as much as 25 miles off in the registration process. That's all been pretty much ironed out now. So let's say three years for it to have a radical effect on it. No, I don't think so. Plus, there's also evidence from NTSB investigations that personal devices like this in the cockpit also contribute to distractions that cause loss of control accidents, which in my mind would kind of erase some of the benefit of the weather information that you can get live from the iPad. So uh, I don't I don't think it's really feasible that this big drop has been because of the iPad or in cockpit weather in general. Yeah. Uh, not we've with had, in cockpit devices yeah, contributing we've had, to accidents. We've we've had in cockpit weather. I was getting monochromatic um Nexrad in my debonair in like 1999-2000 flying yeah. over flying over Oklahoma okay yeah. so it's gotten better since then there's no question the, the 396 came along for the 296 came along the 396 496 696 all that and um, we were getting it on our laptops back um, 10 years ago if you want to, you, you know, want to get really froggy, uh, so maybe the laptop contributed to to uh, aviation safety uh, back in in those days. Um, has enhanced it has the enhanced situational awareness that an iPad with a well designed app can give you. Has that helped uh, reduce the accident rate? Probably, but we don't have any evidence of that. There's other factors at play. And this this is not the only uh, iPad apps and situational awareness alone are not the only things that the industry has been working on. Uh, loss of control has been a big deal. Risk management has been a big deal. Maybe the chickens are coming home to roost. Mm -hmm. And may, maybe also a one-year drop is nothing. Maybe that's just an aberration. And maybe next year we're going to find out that uh, it was an aberration, and we're right back to where we were. So who, who knows? Mm -hmm. But it's 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 way early to point to iPads or or, uh, and, and or we, si we, situational awareness enhancements alone. 
right. as in any any reason to be celebrating. Right. And just to be clear, although the stories all call out iPad in specific, we're, we're really talking about tablets. You think tablets aren't really contributing? Yeah, and, and you know, I, I don't want to. Let's let's be clear here. Um, the the AOPA George Perry, the AOPA ASI head. Uh, it wasn't a quote from him that this reporter picked up on. There was a quote from uh, apparently it was an, uh, something John Hansman of uh, Massachusetts Institute of Technology, which is not an insignificant organization, um, had said, uh, probably uh, in, in pointing out one of the various uh, improvements that, that uh, um, general aviation has seen over the last several years. And this reporter picked up on iPads uh, alone um, as... Um, as his headline from the mm-hmm, story, mm-hmm. and then, well, then, it, then another outlet picked it up, and, and, and then it went a little viral, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, and it, this one site, Mac Rumors. So, would they even care if it was an Android tablet? Yeah, really, well, they might. I don't know about that. Mac Rumors, just just FYI, <laughs> is a very respected in the Mac well, world. I admit that it's a Mac only. It is a very respected site. It's been around forever, and it's it's, the, it's got, uh, you know it's got uh, credit credibility. Yeah, the, the original story was was Bloomberg. And then Mac Rumors picked it up, and from there it went several other places. I think Avweb ran a piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, some other outlets, I think, ran ran articles on this. Um, I don't I don't know, you know, what they said. I'm not painting everybody with the same broad brush, but um, it, it's 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 just a little bit disingenuous um, to point to iPads um, as responsible for reduction or an increase mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. Yeah. A, re- a reduction in the accident rate right that way. right and i mean just for to completeness sake i'm not trying to put you on the spot jeb but um, people know that you're a pretty devoted dedicated tablet user in the cockpit yeah how is it useful to you i guess is my question um I know, by the way, you also use it before flight, too. You, you use it for... Yeah, for- I, I use an iPad. My, my typical, well, my latest iteration is an iPad Mini 2 uh, with the Retina screen um, and uh, plenty of RAM and uh, the latest version of ForeFlight. Um, that's what I'm using now. I've used Garmin Pilot on an Android and would do so again. Um... I've used a 396. I've used uh, something called Cheap Bastard Software mm-hmm. uh, back in, in the 99, 2000 <laughs> time frame on a Palm 7. Okay? okay. And I still have the Palm 7s if anybody's interested. You're one of those early uh, adopter folks, aren't you? Well, in this instance, the, the price, the, the buy in was really cheap back yeah. in the day. Yeah. And uh, the service was basically free. So um, has in-cockpit weather um, um, improved situational awareness? Absolutely. Absolutely. But there are other ways, there are many ways to get uh, in-cockpit weather other than on your iPad. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Well, I'm glad we straightened that all out. That's good. That's good. Well, we haven't really. <laughs> because there's no way to quantify. I understand. No, I take your point. The, 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 um, the presence uh, of uh, uh, in, in cockpit weather, for example, uh, and whether or, you know, nine times out of ten, uh, um, you fly with, with an iPad and you don't crash. Well, what does that mean? 
No, does that point count take if your batteries go dead? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, there you yeah. go. There you go. Anyways, well, all right. The, the, uh, the follow-on comments on the Mac rumor side, and Bloomberg's usually better than this, but the follow-on rumors on the uh, comments on the Mac rumor side are just a howl. Boy, uh, never I, 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 I fail to recognize sometimes just how little the rest of the world really knows about aviation. General aviation, airline aviation, period. It doesn't matter. Yeah. They, yeah. they, they, they don't know much. Yeah. And yeah. They, they, this is, well, we've, we've kind of had this conversation before, but um, it, it's, it's amazing to me anytime that I'm in a group of people uh, who aren't familiar with personal airplanes, um, the, the misconceptions they have. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, yeah. Like, like one of the comments sniffed, well, you wouldn't see the uh, tablet computers being used on the big airlines. And they're like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> hey, uh, man, you haven't peeked in an airline cockpit door lately, dude. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Hey, listen, welcome, folks, to uh, Uncontrolled Airspace, the general aviation podcast. I'm Jack Hodgson coming to you from high atop lookout point in uh, beautiful uh, almost fall weather, Nottingham, New Hampshire, and uh, where it's really breezy here today, but but temperature-wise, very very nice. It's been hot and humid much later in the summer this year than in past years, but it's 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 cooled off in the last couple of days. It's very dry though. We're in a little bit of a drought, but not dangerously so. Um, I'm here in our virtual hangar talking to my two good friends uh, who uh, who are, I, 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 you know, and I, I take very seriously what you guys just said, but I'm a little surprised. I, being avionics guys, I, I, but but your point is well taken, that there's just no data that this is that, about this whole thing. Anyways, my two good friends uh, is, uh, is uh, Jeb. <laughs> I was realized I was about to open the door again, and I really didn't want to do Jane, that. you yeah. ignorant slut. Yeah, I know, right, I know. Anyways, well, that's, uh, that's uh, Jeb Burnside there uh, talking to us from uh, somewhere near Sarasota. Minnesota, Florida. Hi, Jeb. How are you? I'm spiffy. It's a little warm down there, I understand. It's, it's as hot as it gets down here. Yeah? What's that? Yeah. Uh, it was 99 and a half. Yeah. Um, and humidity was 1,000, right? The humidity wasn't all that bad, actually. We've got some uh, some really nice clear blue skies with some white puffies in them. Nothing really threatening. Uh, it would be a good be a good day to climb out and get on top of the white puffies and go motor off somewhere. Mm, yeah, there you go. There you go. And my other good friend here is uh, from the air capital of the world, Wichita, Kansas, is uh, Dave Higdon. Hi, David. What's going on with you? Well, I'm not going to do try to do an Ackroyd impression. Uh, Jeb's got that locked up. That's right. No, we're doing okay. Yeah. It's uh, been kind of uh, moderate temperature-wise for late August out here. Uh, Got some big rains over uh, Friday and Saturday and uh, uh, did a fair amount of crop damage, some home damage. Uh, the guy got washed down a creek. Uh, uh, but other than that, like today, Jiminy, I don't think it's going to hit 80. And the humidity's down in the 40% range. And it's just lovely. It's the kind of day that makes me want to go out and hang out at the airport. Yeah. Which, I, which I'm going to do shortly. Perfect. Good for you. Perfect. Good for Sounds you. good. Sounds good. Hey, so listen, this is a, this is kind of an interesting day, um, and uh, we're recording this episode on uh, on Monday, August twenty second, twenty sixteen. And uh, the reason it's an interesting day is that literally ten years ago today, on August twenty second, two thousand and six, we recorded the first episode of Uncontrolled Airspace. We didn't even call it that back then, but uh, this podcast 
first recorded 10 years ago today. Holy moly. Just, holy, yeah. holy, um, yeah. Yeah, that's just, um, just nuts. I mean, you know, we've obviously seen this coming for a while now, but uh, to have this moment arrive, I, I, you know, it's been a blast, you guys. We're not done yet, but it's been a blast. I want to thank yeah, you. Yeah, and, and it's all your fault. I, well, um, okay, it's it's all of our faults. We, 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 you're, not, you're not putting this on me, pal. Uh-uh. It's, uh, yeah, it, it's been a thing. We were, I mean, you guys were very close friends prior to us starting the podcast. I knew you, but I, we were, I, I, my relationship with the two of you was more, more what I called Oshkosh friends. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, and over the years, I, 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 I feel like we've become very, very close friends and, uh, I value it a lot and I really appreciate yeah. it. And, uh, all, all of the above. Yeah. Um, so, uh, absolutely. It's been cool. I, and I guess we're not stopping. I don't know. I mean, there's been, you know, one would think that, you know, that, uh, that, uh, you know, after a while you'd just, you'd run out or it would, you know, wouldn't work anymore, but, um, you know, we're still having fun talking to each other. I know that. And, uh, and uh, we talked uh, to listeners. Kind of like seen- the joke Steve McQueen's character told in The Magnificent Seven. What's that? That a guy in New York City jumped out of a 50-story building. About halfway down, he passed somebody. A guy hollered out the window, so how 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 you doing? And the guy says, well, so far, so good. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So, so yeah, right. So, so like in the podcast, jumping out of a building, out of a, off of a high place. Um, I don't know. I don't know where to go. I don't know where to go. Yeah, we haven't touched down yet, but uh, yeah, you know, yeah. everything has a beginning and an end. You would um, think, but this is, seems to be going on. Uh, you know, and uh, I don't know. We'll have to figure out what comes next for 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 us and for uncontrolled airspace, and you know. But we're just going to keep doing it for a little while longer, anyways. At least I think we are. I think that's what we yeah, decided. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, absolutely. so congratulations, guys. Congrats. Yeah, uh, happy yeah, birthday. Um, Ten years and uh, and counting. What what is the the you know the thing you know there's gold anniversary silver anniversaries what's the ten year anniversary what's the thing you're supposed to get I uh, I don't know uh, it's a shame we it's the hundred low lead it's a hundred low lead five gallons of hundred low lead or yeah something? right something like that yeah it's a shame we don't have some device yeah well um, I mean we can look up what ten years is for for a, for a wedding but uh, hang on for a marriage. All right, hang on. Hang I on. thought it was brass knuckles, but yeah, yeah right. Uh, uh, ten year wedding anniversary. Uh, let's see now. Does it say what it is here? Tenth. Let's see what the. Well, it's possible that it's diamond. I don't know. Oh, of course, it would be diamonds. Of course, yeah. According to Wikipedia, it's it's diamond jewelry. Well, okay, there we go. For ten years, for, at ten, at the ten year anniversary for a wedding, a wedding anniversary, yeah. Uh-huh. And this is this is this is according to librarians at the Chicago Public Library. Well, there you go. It's got to be true so, then. It's I always thought true. diamond was the seventy fifth anniversary gift, but what the hell? I, yeah, I is, thought is diamond that, is that also. So the diamond people have this knocked. It's the thirtieth. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's the it's the tenth. It's the thirtieth. Um, twenty no twenty fifth is is uh, silver. Um, well, seventy fifth, eightieth, and eighty fifth and ninetieth are all diamonds. Oh, okay. well, all right. So the sixth, the sixtieth is a diamond. The thirtieth is a diamond. Well, or, or diamonds, uh, and the tenth is diamond jewelry. I'd be happy with a second year, a second anniversary, which is China, or or the fifth anniversary, which is silverware, sixth anniversary, wood objects. 
There you go. Well, there you go. Okay. All right. Well, I'm glad we got Diamond out of the way here at 10 because I don't know if we're going to make it to 75. Is this a wedding planning podcast or is this an aviation There you go. There you go. A couple of follow-ups here from uh, previous episodes. Um, I think it was last episode, uh, Jeb, you told the story about how as you were departing Oshkosh, uh, you observed an incident where an airplane came down hard on the uh, runway there at Oshkosh. Did we talk about that? I think we did, yes. Um, And... uh, do you not want to follow up on this? Uh, we, no, I'm happy to follow up. I, yeah. I just don't remember talking about it. Um, um, we did, yeah. and and we thought we we thought at the time that it seemed like it might have been a Cetabria, um, and it came down hard. We had no information about the uh, about the pilot or the people on board, and we've since learned a little bit more. What did we learn, Jeb? We, we learned that it was not a Cetabria. It was a Rans S7, which if you put near a Cetabria, you'll say, "Hey, there's two Cetabrias." Um, mm-hmm. they, they look very much alike is the pun is part of the punchline. Um, the other part of the punchline is, uh, there were no injuries. Yeah. Pilot uh, apparently walked away. Uh, he basically walked away. Um, it was a, according to the, our source, it was a takeoff incident, right? It, it was on takeoff. That's well, our source uh, is the FIA. Okay. Oh, okay. That's not the source um, I was thinking of. Yes. FIA says it was takeoff. Yeah. All FIA right. says it was takeoff accident. Um, and there were no injuries. Yeah. Okay. So, so I just wanted to follow up on that because we weren't sure. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and, and we kind of left it open-ended before. And I, and quite frankly, I, I, it, at the time when I was looking at it from a distance, it looked more, it looked like it could have been more serious than that. Um, so I, I thought it was at least, you know, uh, uh, a trip to the hospital. Yeah. And apparently it uh, wasn't even that. Um, it wasn't even that apparently. I mean, you're 50 feet in the air and you, and you come immediate, you come down immediately and, and, um, um, there's an airplane broken in the process. You kind of think that, um, yeah, someone's gotten injured, uh, hopefully not, not badly, but in this instance, uh, no injuries. Yeah. Yeah. So that's good to know. Good to know. Another follow up here, and this is really trivial, but I just need to throw this in here. We were talking about something, um, during the podcast uh, last time and you suddenly said Breezewood, Pennsylvania. Oh, I know. We were talking about – Jave and I were driving – how we got lost driving uh-huh. along the interstates and suddenly realized that we'd either gone past our exit or, or right. suddenly realized we were off the interstate or whatever. And you said Breezewood – are you talking about Breezewood, Pennsylvania, you said? And, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking, why does Breezewood, Pennsylvania sound familiar to me? And the reason it does, and you knew this, you just didn't tell us at the time, Breezewood, Pennsylvania is this weird place um, in Pennsylvania where Interstate 70 literally goes down to local streets for like a mile. Uh Um, And I did actually drive that. That's why it was familiar to me, because I had driven through Breezewood, Pennsylvania, both going to and returning from Oshkosh this year. And it's a very weird little stretch of highway. I've driven a lot of miles on interstate highways, and And, I've never seen it. And then you get on the Pennsylvania Turnpike. Yeah, Yeah. well, that's, and you know, I don't know exactly why this is. Wikipedia or some online source suggested that it initially ended up being built this way because funding got messed up when they were initially building the interstate highways, but that now it perhaps is kept this way because the local merchants really like that the interstate dumps out onto their little local road with their mm-hmm. restaurants and gas stations and, and whatnot and, uh, and, and really, really don't want I-70 to just cruise on by Breezewood, Pennsylvania. They like that I-70 passes deep into the midst of Breezewood, Pennsylvania. So anyways, that's what Breezewood, Pennsylvania is. Right, right. Finally, um, uh, and this is a follow-up to, I just wanted to 
call attention to this because I, I just, this is a thing for me. I, I, I don't know if I, I'm happy with this. So I talked at one point on one of the episodes, maybe it was a daily, maybe it was the Oshkosh um, um, finale, but um, the Airbus um, E-Fan um, concept airplane that uh, the Airbus folks are working on um, that's been characterized as being an electric airplane. Um, and, and I actually spent some time in their, in their little building, in their booth there at Oshkosh and was, was chatting with a, a couple of the, the guys there. And, and I guess I, you know, I, I admit I didn't press them very hard and might've discovered this if I had pressed them, but I came away with the impression that this was your basic electric vehicle with batteries that got charged from sort of ex- external source and batteries that powered an electric motor, which spun a prop and et cetera, et cetera. I'm now discovering that the current iteration of the Airbus E-Fan is not a pure electric vehicle, but it's a gasoline hybrid, um, a la a, 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 a Prius, um, that it, it involves, you know, that. And I, and I think that's different than being pure electric. I'm a big fan of electric vehicles. I think it's the way of the future. And, uh, and for this to be presenting itself as, as an electric airplane when it's as, right now not... I, it bugs me. It bugs well, the, internet, the internet's not telling me anything about this uh, because uh, the Wikipedia page doesn't say anything about a gasoline uh, motor or generator. Um, and trying to, I'm looking at the Airbus site. I'm not sure it says this either. Well, I hope I'm right. Uh, I've saw well, this there, someplace, there and I admit I. About- Go ahead. Yeah, there is something here about uh, electric and hybrid, um, um, but it's show me show me something that 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 says that, and I'll believe you. I'm not not that I'm not believing you, but um, where where is your information? Where did you get your information? Well, and I admit I threw this on the list without adding a link, which was terrible of me. And now I'm trying to figure out where I might have found this. Um, well, Airbus has got it, it, it is looking at hybrid electric systems mm-hmm. for for commercial stuff uh, as, as a way to make airliners more fuel efficient. But this uh, electric, their little electric airplane, that's uh, it's listed here as a zero emissions, and and that couldn't be hybrid. Right, right. I just sent you a link to the quick first thing I found here. Okay. Uh, so this is uh, Aviation Week um, website. Um, okay. Okay. And uh, Airbus Group Innovations has flown its E-Fan proof of concept electric aircraft with hybrid propulsion, adding an internal combustion engine as a range extender. Um, airplane aircraft makes its U.S. debut at EAA AirVenture. So this is the one we were looking at. They're distinguished by air intakes for the combustion or thermal engine on the upper fuselage behind the pilot. The twin ducted E-Fan still takes off and lands on electric okay. power to minimize noise. So, so okay, anyways, that's, 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 that's a horse of a different color. Yeah. Um, yeah. and, and makes a lot more sense. Yeah. I mean, it may be the, what you need to do. I, you know, admittedly, there's a lot of challenges to doing a, a pure electric airplane at this point. Some people have done it, but it's, you know, it's well, challenging. And they had, they have been flying a, a totally electric airplane since, uh, June or July of 14. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so this, uh, hybrid version is, sounds like an evolution in their, in their thinking. Yeah, according to this article, um, um, the, the aircraft you saw at Oshkosh is the 
1.2 configuration. Okay. Uh, whereas the 1.1 configuration was all electric, the new 1.2 configuration is the hybrid. Okay. And does it say here, I'm, I, I, I'm only skimming the article, does it say here, the, when it's in electric mode, is are the batteries charged from an external source or are they charged from the gasoline engine? Is it my- says the piston engine is used to generate sufficient electricity to sustain level flight at maximum cruise okay. speed while simultaneously recharging the aircraft's lithium-ion batteries. Okay. See, and, and so that's, to me, that makes it an, a gasoline-powered aircraft. Um, I don't disagree. It's not. It's not. Well, well it's not flying on the, the gasoline engine. If you shut the gasoline engine off, it would keep on flying until the battery went dead. Agreed, but the batteries are charged with power that came from gasoline. But it's not flying on the gasoline engine. I, I understand, but it's but but the energy came from gasoline. Is my some point. of it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, all of it. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm staying out of this. Yeah. One. Okay. So, <laughs> anyways. I'm a purist about electric engine, electric uh, 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 vehicles, and uh, oh, it's definitely not a, a, a pure electric zero yeah. emission. Yeah. So, but it's flying on electric motors. Agreed. Uh, agreed. All right, I've, I've messed this up enough. I'm going to move on here. What, what's next here? Where's the list? I lost the list. Ten uh, years? Do we still don't know where the list is? No, no. Um, a little bit of uh, podcast uh, administrative stuff here. Um, we're announcing a new program here. I didn't actually write a little script here, so I'm just going to try and ad lib this a little bit here. I've got some notes. Um, we're, we're adding, we're, we'd like to, so about a year ago, we started, uh, we became part of a program called Patreon, which was an online service that allowed people to become patrons of the podcast and make per episode donations uh, to us. And uh, a number of people very generously have done that, and we just can't even tell you how much we appreciate that. But we'd, we'd like to kind of build up the number of people who are, are supporting the podcast in this way. And so over the next couple months, we're going to be introducing some other little uh, you know rewards and, and other benefits to people who are supporting us through Patreon. And the first one is that we are creating a $3 per episode reward level. And that is to say that anyone who supports the episode the podcast at three dollars per episode or more that's a pledge that you can make and it's there's there's maximum cap so you don't get overwhelmed and you can change it at any time but if you're at least three dollars per episode uh, you will begin receiving a special exclusive after show podcast that we will be creating Um, it basically will be us continuing to chat for a little few minutes afterwards uh, answering some questions from listeners um, or perhaps uh, I don't know what I mean anything's possible with these guys um but uh, the uh, the special after show podcast will uh, will uh, be from f- between five and ten minutes long um it'll be very very casual very very ad lib very just kind of spur of the moment um and uh, it will get packaged up and provided to all the patreon supporters who support us with three dollars per episode or more that's the reward level um and uh, if you're interested in that and uh, and uh, want to get on it we would we would love to uh, have you participate um and by the way anybody who's already three dollars or more will be in on this automatically so uh 
let's see now, five minutes, what are the rest of my notes here? Five to ten minutes, recorded right after we finish the main podcast. We'll follow up on some things, answer some questions. Oh, and if you want to submit questions, anyone wants to submit questions, we welcome that. Send them to podcast at uncontrolledairspace.com. You can get all kinds of information about supporting us through Patreon by going to patreon.com slash uncontrolled airspace and uh, or go to the homepage uncontrolled airspace homepage and there's a link there so neville you have control of the board select a category disclaimers for 100 the members of the uncontrolled airspace podcast are appearing as this neville what is private individuals correct select again disclaimers for 200 their comments do not necessarily reflect these neville what is the opinions of the organizations they work for? Yes, select again. Disclaimers for 300. Anything you hear on this podcast that sounds like advice on aircraft operation is obviously this. Neville. What is very general? That's it. Disclaimers for 400. You should always remember your training, consider your situation, and fly this. Neville. What is the aircraft? Yes, select. Disclaimers for 500. But you knew this. Robert. What's a lineys? No, Wendy. What is the punchline? No, Neville. What is that? Correct, but you knew that. Congratulations, Neville. You have swept the category. What's next? Fis- Fisby? Is that how you say it? That's the word. You've said Fisby before. Fisby. 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 I, 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 I never Fis- really pronounced it Fisby. before. Fisby. F-I-S-B. What is F-I-S-B? Dave? Oh, the... Uh, FISB, that's the uh, Flight Information Service broadcast that's part of the ADSBN benefits that you get with an ADSBN receiver, and that's where you get weather. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And it's broadcast on uh, 978. Unlike the traffic, there's only one frequency for weather. That's 978. Uh and lots of equipment out there, uh, 1090 ES transponders, 978 transponders will work with a, a UAT receiver or a FSB receiver. Well, the FAA is looking at adding to the products that are available on there right now. Uh, and you already can get live weather radar. You can get uh, SIGMETs, AIRMETs. You can get winds aloft, temperatures. You can get uh, uh METARs and TAFs from airports out there. Uh, next year, they're going to start adding lightning strikes, cloud tops, uh, icing, existing and forecast. And they're experimenting with some other products that they uh, want to try to add, including a change in which NOTAMs that they distribute on the uh, FSB uh, to kind of cut down on the excess NOTAMs that really won't benefit anybody that much and focus on what's of more immediate concern. So, mm-hmm. Is this good? Yeah, I mean, yeah it's good. Oh, um, definitely good. Big time good. Um, at the top of this episode, we were talking about iPads in the cockpit and, and how um, weather in the, has been in the cockpit for a long time. Um, there are differences in the various services. WSI offers a different suite than uh, XM Sirius offers, and and uh, the the FAA's ADSBN offering that we're talking about here through FISB uh, is also a different suite of, of services, different set of uh, of services. Um, 
and now the FAA is adding a little bit to uh, what we already get. So all of that is good. Yeah, cool. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, the only time too much information is uh, is 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 a bad thing is when you're paying more attention to the information than to flying the airplane. There you go. Okay, sounds good. Sounds yeah. good. Off field landing of the week. There's two of them, I think. Um, let's see now. The first one is. Uh, yeah, this guy he wins. He wins. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I mean, you know, and he was he's, he's okay, so that's a good thing, all right? But. Uh, Let's see now. I'm reading from, um, I'm actually looking at the one that's in the list, but the one that's pointed to in the list, um, U.S. News and World Report, um, usnews.com story, ultralight pilot in Germany spends night in tree after crash. Uh, The uh, first couple graphs are a pilot of an ultralight aircraft in Germany spent more than 12 hours stuck up in a tree after rescuers were unable to reach him overnight. Police in the southwestern state of Baden-Württemberg uh, said the unidentified man crash-landed in the trees late Monday uh, east of Stuttgart. Uh, attempts to bring the man down from his lofty perch, 30 meters above the ground, had to be abandoned at nightfall because of the risk that the plane and its pilot might be dislodged and fall to the ground. So it was better to just leave him there. But, okay, I guess maybe. I just, you know, um, and the, the 59-year-old was eventually rescued unharmed on Tuesday. So there we go. But so, hungry, thirsty, yeah. and wanting a wanting to get a good night's sleep. Or something. so. What do, you, what do you what do you think was the first words out of his mouth when he realized he was going to have to spend the night in that tree? I don't know what you tell me. I don't know. I I, I, I have no clue, and I don't speak German. Um, I, I'm just wondering. You know, did he did he get to say the same thing? Again, that he said when he hit the tree. Yeah, maybe, huh? Maybe. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, I know. So it doesn't say how, wait a minute. Oh, no, no, 30 meters, 90, about almost 100 feet above the ground. Um, is this common? I'm going to ask David because you're an ultralight guy, but Jeb, you might know the answer to this too. Um, ultralight aircraft being lighter than, you know, than, you know, on the lighter end of the scale, do they get hung up in trees often? Is this a thing? Well, but it, they have a tendency to get hung up in trees when they come down in the trees, uh, and that, that's really preferable to slowing down to nothing and then falling straight through to the ground. Yeah. Uh, and you, you got all this surface area out there, so if you settle into some trees, you know, the trees don't have to be hugely strong to support your weight because it's spread out over the area of the wing and the tail. Uh Having landed in a hang, hang landed a hang ladder in treetops once, uh-huh. uh, I, it reaffirmed some advice I was given early on, and that was to bring a uh, about two hundred feet of uh, rope heavy enough to let the line heavy enough to let myself down with. The idea being that I would be able to unhook the glider from the wing and then knot the line through the carabiner and use the uh, control bar as the uh, pulley part and just ease myself down that way so I didn't have to spend hours up there. Yeah. Uh, The problem when I actually did it was that there were no tree limbs within reach for me to loop anything over or hold on to. Mm -hmm. So I basically just hung there. Yeah. But it wasn't uncomfortable. Well, how did you get down? Uh, Some friends came up, uh, climbed the tree, secured the tree uh, and the hang glider together. I was actually spread across two trees and hanging in the middle. 
and the idea was that you'd secure the wing with Velcro straps before you tried to let yourself down so that it didn't fall through and let you fall to the ground. And there was no way for me to do that. Right. So uh, we just didn't move until yeah. they got it all lashed down. And then then the lion and pulley thing worked just fine. Yeah. Jeb has called our attention to the fact that it's not just ultralights here. What is this? <laughs> David, if you, no. he, he sent us a link here. Did you get, you, have you opened it yet? Jeb, what is, yeah. that, what is that airplane? That looks sort of like a... It's a Piper Cherokee. It is, okay. Yeah, um, this is rather dated. I, I just remembered it. Uh, this is something that happened back in, I think, 06, 07. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, Piper Cherokee ended up in a tree. Um, but and, but and all, actually, of, all of 10 feet off the ground, right? All of 10 feet off the ground. And this was actually uh, December 7, 2006 is when this occurred. Um, although, you know, we've been doing the podcast. We were doing the podcast then. About we didn't five talk months about in, this, four but, months in. I yeah, know. We yeah, might have talked yeah. about it. I don't we might have, but we, we might have talked about it. Who know. knows? That was a lot of brain cells ago. I, tell me about it. Um, um, and I only just noticed the, pe- the, the signs in the foreground here. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> the, picture shows, the picture shows this airplane tangled up in the tree. It looks right. well, it's December, so it's no leaves on the tree. Um, kind of nasty tangled up in this tree, um, but more or less in one piece. And then in the foreground of the picture is a sign that says learn to fly here and uh well and it's somewhere out there is a very very old photograph that's hung in more hangars than i could ever uh, recall uh you know give you a number on but it was it was a picture of a biplane that had squarely hit the only tree (laughs) in a great big field (laughs) that's right and i think there was some text to the effect of when landing, it is advisable to avoid trees and fences. Yeah, yeah, there you go. That's, that's good advice, I think. Good advice. The other uh, off-field land- so congratulations to the pilot, the 59-year-old pilot who spent the night in the tree. I mean, not congratulations for spending the night in the tree, but for uh, for getting back down for, on the ground. For, for being one of our off-field landings. Yeah, the that's week. right. No, no, for getting back on the ground safely and under under difficult circumstances. It's always a good thing. No, I, I, I'm just trying to figure out what I would have said. Yeah, you know, if I was if I. The rescuers say, "Hey guys, I'm sorry. We we just we just don't have the equipment to to haul you down right now. So hey, you know, uh, uh, we'll send up a sandwich and, and maybe some water, but you're going to have to spend the night yeah, in the tree. <laughs> Can you? Uh, I know what I would have said. Yeah, I know, really. But you know <laughs> what they say? Good. They say any landing that you can repel away from is." <laughs> <laughs> The other uh, off-field landing we've got here is, uh, this is from a story on the, the newsjournalonline.com. Let's see now. Daytona Beach, News Journal. Um, plane loses propeller, makes emergency landing near Ormond. This is obviously Florida, Jeb. Single pla- yeah. A single-engine airplane ca- carrying a flight instructor <laughs> and a student pilot lost a propeller. That makes it sound It's a like. Lescom. Uh, and had to make an emergency landing in a field uh, north of Ormond Beach on Thursday morning. Officials said both occupants of the airplane escaped injury, rescue workers said. Uh, so, uh, you know, I mean. That's a pretty little Lescom. Yeah. Yeah, it is. How do you um, lose the, I mean, I guess the propeller, because it, it appears that it just plain departed the airplane. It's not like it, you know, one of the tips broke or anything like that. Maybe the. Well, or you can have two or three things happen. Um, the crankshaft can break. Uh-huh. Um, the bolts holding the uh, propeller to the crankshaft can break, um, or the propeller itself can just fracture the, at the hub and, and come loose. Mm-hmm. This looks like the prop planche departed 
Yeah, I, I haven't been able to really... Let me see if I can zoom in on any of this. Yeah, those. it's not clear whether this aircraft would have a spinner, but there's no spinner on it now. Um, yeah, there's no, there's no spinner on it now. Uh, yeah, the, the spinner is spun off. Yeah. I bet the seats are stained, too. The plane is listed on the Federal Aviation Administration Registry as a single-engine Luscombe that became airworthy in 1957. I just thought that was an odd turn of phrase. Well, that's literally what the website says. That what um, That's when it got its airworthiness certificate. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah. So... Anyways, well, uh, let's see now. So is, it, is the uh, pilot's name here? I don't see the pilot's name, but uh, congratulations. Yeah, the video pans around the airplane from the air. You can see the uh, the, the pointy end of the crankshaft. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's apparently like like some sort of rescue helicopter footage that uh, is being shown here. So I, I zoomed in a little bit on the still, and I can't really tell. Um, there's there's obviously something poking through that part of the cowling, but it's uh, it's hard to tell what it is. Um, it's also hard to tell if there's uh, you know like oil on the windshield. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, could be. Could maybe that's just the cross the, the bracing uh, on the other side. Who knows? I can't tell. I would say I can see the cross braces through yeah. the windshield. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But anyway, mm-hmm. congratulations! Uh, another one walked away. Yeah, that's yeah. a good job. They, uh, they, it, did. It, it, he must have had an iPad. I was, I was going to say exactly the same thing. <laughs> exactly the same thing. Thank God he had an iPad. You know. <laughs> Let's see now. Here's an oddball airplane. Oddball. It's unusual. Um, the Airlander Ten. Yeah, this is a. Um, a, a, a airship of some sort here. The giant Airlander 10. This is I'm looking at Avweb here. Airlander 10 completes first flight. I'm pretty sure we've talked about this aircraft in the past. It's been a development program for a yeah, while. Yeah, it, it's been a while. Yeah. <laughs> but they had their first flight, apparently, just recently. Um, and uh, the giant, I'm reading again from the Avweb story, the giant Airlander 10 went aloft for the first time today from Cardington Airfield in Bedfordshire, England, uh, completing a successful test for its maker's high hybrid air vehicles. Uh, and immediately the jolly green giant showed up with a jar of mustard and a big bun and said, is this lunch? I don't think the pictures do this justice. I get the feeling that this is a big aircraft. All right. It's uh, the stay puffed marshmallow. Uh, something like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, 300 foot blimp like aircraft landed before dark after about 15 minutes. Uh, crew spent much of the day preparing for the flight, which was propo- postponed from Sunday after last-minute pre-flight glitch, etc., uh, etc. Et so, uh, I don't know. I just wanted to call attention to this, you know. It's kind of cool. I, I think it would be great if these things came back and made a, you know, they figured out a, a business model and, uh, you know, that would allow lighter-than-air aircraft or, or airships to be more common. That would be neat. Yeah, uh, it would be neat. Um, I'm not convinced that there's a, that there's a, a you know, a, a use case, if you will, um, for these kinds of things. Cargo, it would make some sense for some cargo. I, I mean, but what kind? What kind of cargo that you wouldn't carry in, put on a train or or, or a big truck or, you know, or, or a, you know. It, it, it might not make sense. Well, uh, carrying it across, you know, a, a body of water, for example. Um, yeah. The train may or may not make sense to do that. Um 
boat may or may not. May, I don't know. You know, it, it certainly has an application. I just don't know what that application is. Yeah. It, well, and, and this is another one of those ideas that's been recycled, and this is a new iteration. Uh, we've seen, I'd, I'd call them hybrid lighter than air because this one only gets about 60% of its lift from helium. The rest of it comes from forward motion and the shape of the uh, of the vehicle. Uh, but if you wanted to take a heavy piece of equipment or a lot of people into a spot where there's no runway mm-hmm. that's tighter than you could get uh, an aircraft into and it could carry more than, say, a half a dozen C-130s, uh, I can see all kinds of applications for moving big things across the Atlantic that you might normally have to put on a ship for size because of the size. This could do it in a few days at 80 knots. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's no, no maritime vessels I know out there that I know of out there that are making Atlantic crossings at 80 knots. Yeah. Right. So... I don't know. I mean, you know, more power to them. Yeah. Uh, I do. I do hope you know they'll see more of these. Just just because I like to see stuff in the air. Yeah. So. So. The next thing on our list is the null report. We t- sort of talked about the null report. Is there anything else to add here? Do you want to? I mean, is it is is the news notable, or did we kind of cover it? Um. Well, I, I think the headline here is that the the, the fatal the fatal accident rate non commercial fixed wing aircraft has dropped below one fatal accident for every 100,000 flight hours. And that's probably a first. Mm-hmm. Sound, I mean, that's um, great. And Yeah, it's, it is great. Um, what, what, I mean, and we, so we don't think it's iPads. What do we think it is? Do we have an idea? <laughs> and, and, and we need to correct something here. Yeah. This NAL report, as opposed to the FAA stats, covers data through 2013. Okay. okay. All right. Okay. That's, yeah, so that takes even a, another year out of the iPad theory, right? Yeah, and that's a that's a very good distinction that that was that Bloomberg article didn't do a very good job of of um, uh, highlighting, but um, yeah, um, why is the rate deal. improved? We just think it's cyclical, or is there something going on, or is it? You know, I don't know what it might be. Um, are we just getting? Be- are we better pilots? Are we getting better training? Are well, some of the people pointed out that flight hours went down in 13, uh, the, the year that this report is based on. But the overall accident rate went down more than the drop in, in flying. So something definitely seems to be at work here. Maybe it's uh, people are starting to uh, to uh, work on their flying skills, their judgment uh uh, or maybe it's a fluke. We'd need a couple of more years like this yeah. to prove that it's yeah. not a fluke. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the thing, uh, and that's one of the another reason not to get all ex- all that excited about the, the the iPad thing that we talked to, talked about at the top of this episode. But let me read this lead paragraph here real quick. To yeah, give our give our listeners a little bit better feel for what we're talking about. Uh, for the first time in the 25 his 25 year history, you know we're, we're, we got 15 more to go before we hit 25. For the first time in the 25 year history of the Joseph T. Nall report, the rate of fatal accidents in non-commercial fixed wing aircraft dropped below one fatal accident for every 100,000 flight hours. It remains to be seen if this decline will be sustained. Preliminary data on more recent accidents show a small increase 
in the fatal accident rate, though it remains among the three lowest on record and well below the 10-year moving average. The overall accident rate, um, 5.73 accidents per 100,000 flight hours in 2014, did not change significantly, mm-hmm. is, is uh, what that paragraph says. Now, again, we start getting into uh, what, uh, whose data uh, situation, because this is talking about 2014, but the NAL report actually is talking about 2013. Right. right. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, well, let's keep up the good work. And Yeah. You know. Oh, absolutely. Whatever yeah, it is, keep doing it. Yeah, whatever it is, keep doing it. But there are so many other things besides iPads that the industry has been no. doing. Yeah, um, absolutely. And I don't, want, I don't want to revisit the top of the episode, but uh, um, loss of control awareness, risk management awareness, uh, all kinds of things that are, that are going on. So who knows what, uh, uh, what's responsible for, the, for this? And who knows if it'll be sustainable? Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Shout outs. What do we got here? We're re- reaching the end of our allotted time. T- yeah, we're reaching the end time of our allotted time here. So uh, shout outs. We've got a couple things on the list. Anybody want to jump on something here? Or, or, or are we done? Or fork time? I don't know. Um, I was kind of disappointed to see this. Um, Which one is that? The first one there? Yeah, the first one there. Yeah, go ahead. Um, what is it? Uh, and Dave, you've you've talked about Lee Bottom a lot, and and uh, uh, we've talked about it pretty much since day one on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lee, Lee Bottom uh, Airport in, in Indiana, I believe it is. Yeah. Um, they're having their final Lee Bottom fly-in, which is an annual event um, um, at the airport, and involves a lot of antique airplanes and a lot of family-oriented entertainment and. Big, big fly-in for people from uh, Ohio Valley and Midwest, and and I've always wanted to go to this, um, and never, you know, got high enough on my radar, far enough in advance to to make plans to be there. But this year's event is the last one. Uh, they're kind of quitting while they're ahead, so to speak, um, and it will be held. Um, September 16th through 18th. Okay. A couple uh, weeks from now. Yeah. yeah, a couple of weeks from now, and uh, it'll be the last one. That's too bad. It That's is too bad. bad. Now, the airport's not going away, right? It's just, the airport's just, not going away, and, and there will be other events, uh, smaller, shorter, um, right. um, weekend, fly-in, kind of, you know, uh, um, $100 hamburger or, or $20 breakfast or, or whatever, Kind of events um, at this at this facility, they're not going away. It's just this single event is is this is the last one. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, this is a big deal. This was this is a lot of work to put on an event like this. And, oh yeah. And and I've gotten the feeling, and David, you might have more direct knowledge that that this is largely driven by uh, uh, the couple who run the airport. And, oh, completely. Uh, and yeah. so, uh, you know, as they reach a point in their life where they just kind of choose not to or are unable to uh, to carry that load. Um, they, I guess they've made this choice, this decision. But uh, you know, um, well, it's uh, it it grew into a lot more work than they expected. Uh, recruiting the volunteers to to make it happen got more difficult. They had some bad breaks with weather and uh, a, uh, a a runaway airplane and uh, the. Uh, the folks, Rich and, and, and his bride, he did, if I remember right, he's an airline pilot. Uh, I don't know for whom, 
But uh, they uh, finally said, you know, we just can't sustain this. It uh, takes too much out of their their schedule. I'm sure their finances because. Uh, I'd be really surprised if the if the gate did much to cover the uh, yeah. actual time and expense that they they put into it. But I've had friends that go there. Some of our podcast listeners have gone there. Uh, I've flown in there uh, when it was owned by uh, the the prior folks, and uh, it's a nice little strip about oh thirty miles upriver from Louisville, mm-hmm. uh, right, right there on the banks of the Ohio River. Um, and, yeah, uh, it's right next to the river, and uh, nice, pretty long grass strip. They take good care of it, uh, and uh, keep your eyes open. They'll be back with something else. But yeah. I'm like, I, I'm like Jeb. I was hoping to fly the YX out there next year and uh, in a tender event, but uh, I'm missing my chance. Yeah, well, I mean, like Jeb said, I'm I'm sure there are other smaller, more modest events that happen. And uh, as I recall, they have um, some rental cabins available. Not only can you fly in there and camp, I mean, I think routinely throughout the year. But I remember reading a story one point where they have cabins that you could rent. So uh, it's it's a great destination airport for still. It's just the big annual fall fly-in is going to go away after this year. Too bad. But, uh, you know, things end. Things begin. But they're still going to be there, and they're still worth a stop in when you're in the neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. Just go to Louisville and then follow the river upstream, and it'll be the first little airport on the river on your left. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Uh, other shout-outs. Or use an iPad and a GPS. Yeah, other shout-outs. So we have another type of IFR here. What's that? I follow rivers. I follow rivers. That's right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, David, shout-out? Yeah. Uh, the uh, Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association has uh, created a, an award in the name of uh, my old boss there at, at AOPA years ago, Charles Smets. Uh, Charlie passed away not long ago at, uh, at, at age 94. Uh, his son is uh, Craig Spence, uh, whom I met when he was much younger, but I think I was too. Uh, and he represents uh, the... Uh, well, he's the general secretary of the International Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association, and he advises AOPA on security issues. They created the Charles Spence Award for Service and presented it, uh, the first iteration of it, to his son, Craig. And I think it's a fitting honor for Charlie and his work. Uh, he left AOPA before he was actually ready to leave AOPA. Uh, him and several other senior VPs that uh, that week, but he never left aviation, and he continued to write uh, and uh, editorialize and cover the D.C. area uh, topics and subjects for uh, General Aviation News, right. for, yep. which uh, Jeb also labored. So that's right. Uh, congratulations to uh, Craig first off, and uh, I think it's a great honor for Charlie. He was a hell of a guy, and one of the best bosses I ever had. Very cool. Very cool. Anything else? Yeah. Other shout-outs? No? Fork time? Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. It's always fun to get together and talk with you. Uh, yep. Ten years later. Ten years later. Ten holy years. Holy moly. Ten years. Uh, I mean, it's like, I'm, you know, 
the the whole sushi car ride thing and uh, let's get together and do this and you guys humoring me and yeah call me sometime we'll do it yeah. i know right we'll give it a try yeah. we'll see what happens yeah. but uh yeah. yeah it's been it's it's a great ride not done but uh but it's been a great ride hey uh, my two good friends here uh, in our virtual hangar one of those voices out there is jeb burnside jeb's a freelance aviation writer and editor serving as the editor-in-chief of aviation safety magazine jeb you been working on anything fun not. Not at all. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> not, not even. I, I've, I've been taking a staycation here and, and tackling, you know, working on some projects around the house uh-huh. and, and uh, trying not to s- go outside and sweat. Um, and uh, just uh, after uh, uh, it's been a hectic year, it was a, you know, hectic July. And uh, I'm just kind of taking some time right now. Well, there you go. Well, when you yeah. are busy, where can people find you on the Internet? Oh, let's see. Uh, Aviation Safety Magazine uh, dot com, of course. Um, we we just talked a little bit about GA News. Um, and do a column there. Um, let's see. Also, Avionics News for uh, the Aircraft Electronics Association at AEA dot net. And every now and then, uh, who knows? I might pop up somewhere else. Yeah, I know. One of your pieces just came up in the uh, GA News email blast. It was, what's it called? It was called like Goofy or quirky. Breezy. Quirky. 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 Thank you. <laughs> you know, it's funny because so I, I, I get that and I, and I skim it every day. I look at the headlines and uh, I used to just read the little head, the little, uh, little summaries at the top. They have a little table of contents thing. And then if there was a story headline that caught my attention, I would sk- jump down and, and, and find the story. And since you've been writing for them, I have to actually look through because i want to see your if your byline is there well i'm looking at the header things this time and i saw quirky and i said that's jeb (laughs) 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 quirky's jeb i bet you anything all right and i scrolled down and it was that was that was a jeb story so uh yeah so you're in the uh and i think that was in the paper a couple uh like you know a week or two weeks ago or something like that but uh it's it's in their email blast uh uh, that came out in the last couple days anyways well that's cool that's cool uh now i've lost track here did you say where you are on on, uh, twitter I did not. Burnside J on the Twitter machine. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. And uh, Dave Higdon, that other voice out there. Dave is a uh, aviation photographer and aviation journalist and the U.S. editor for London's Ab Buyer magazine. Dave, it's always a blast to talk with you as well. What have you been working on? Well, I was just looking that up to remind myself what, what it was <laughs> I was writing weeks ago that's in print now. <laughs> yeah. And uh, latest edition of uh, Avionics News Magazine. There's a mm-hmm. story in there about advances in headset technologies. Uh, the, the new wireless stuff coming along, uh, changes in the uh, style and design that you can wear and how they work with the airplane. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's in the latest Avionics News. I've also got my weekly business av- aviation uh, blog on avbuyer.com i was looking uh, at that one today we should we, we'll put that on the list for next time because that's a scandal you were talking about the jet fuel tax surcharge yeah, thing yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. that doesn't seem right to me all right and i'll just leave that as a teaser for future reference um, yeah if we'd have been if we'd have been doing the podcast when that was going on the jeb and i would have been beating that one into uh, in, yeah. into blood right but uh, but it, it's been yeah, in place for a long. One. It's been in place for a long time now, right? This this uh, the money getting redirected, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, for okay, what thirteen, fourteen years? Yeah. Now. Okay. Yeah, we, maybe we can talk about that later. Yeah, maybe we'll talk about that later. Anyways, okay. What else, David? Where can people find you on the internet? Uh, on the Twitter machine, I'm real Higdon. Uh, AEA.net for avionics news. Avbuyer.com for my weekly business aviation blog or to reach. Uh, 
one of my features on the magazine. Uh, have something uh, surprising coming out in another week or so on uh, on uh, aviation safety. Uh, I know it's so because the check came today. <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. I guess that's a good sign. Uh, great. Thank you. Excellent. Uh, and I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a new media producer. Uh, you can follow me at Twitter, at uh, where I'm Jack Hodgson. Uh, you can also learn more about me than you ever really wanted to know at jackhodgson.com and aroundthefield.net. Big thanks to uh, Jeff Ward for his help with the show notes and in the forums. Thanks to Mike Morgan, to Royce Earl, to Jim Goldman, and to the many other listeners who have created the UCAP disclaimer clips. Please support UCAP by making a repeating per-episode donation of any size via the online service Patreon. You can get all the details about this at patreon.com slash uncontrolled airspace. And don't forget that if you, uh, if you uh, pledge at $3 or more per episode, you will get access to the special uh, after-show podcast that we are producing. And while you're at it, you can go into iTunes and give us a review or put some stars next to our episode that really helps to get the word out about what we're doing. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash class G airspace. That's all one word, class with the letter G and then airspace. Uh, you never know what might turn up there. Also listen to uh, UCAP in the free section of Sporty's Pilot Shop's mobile app Takeoff, along with other podcasts and special Sporty's content. You can get your UCAP hats, shirts, and other cool gear at the UCAP Swag Shop, and that's at uncontrolledairspace.com slash store. And don't forget, you can check out the rest of the UCAP website, 10 years worth of UCAP show notes and episode downloads, and last but not least, chat with us directly and with many of other of your fellow listeners in the Uncontrolled Airspace forums. All of that is at uncontrolledairspace.com. David, was something you were going to say? Age is a wonderful thing. Getting old's not for sissies, but if you want to make it as pleasant as possible, go fly because time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan, you know. Bye bye. And that's enough talking. Let's go flying. Actually, I think we should carry like, you know, four or five iPads when we go flying. Think of how much safer we'd be. (laughs) 